What's up, guys? It's Arif. And this is Arsh. And welcome or welcome back to the Two Brothers in Their Sports podcast. We have another incredible show lineup for you guys, so make sure you guys are super excited. Our first topic this week is going to be the MLB wild card. We're going to talk about the games that happened this past week between the Boston Red Sox and New York Yankees, and then the Los Angeles Dodgers versus the St. Louis, Ram- or St. Louis Cardinals. And we're also going to talk about Stephon Gilmore and Jalen Smith, both on new teams. Jalen Smith is obviously on the Packers. Stephon Gilmore got traded to the Panthers. And we're also going to talk about the Tyson Fury versus uh, Deontay Wilder three fight uh, tonight and how that fight will play out. And finally, our weekly segment to help you guys win your fantasy game, two brothers, two picks, who you guys should start for week five. Enjoy the episode. So I'm going to start with the American League because as a Yankees fan, it was a pretty big disappointment to see them go in the first game. Garrett Cole, this is just a horrible performance by him. He couldn't even get out of the third inning. And this guy is has been locked is locked in for nine years, over three hundred million dollars. And he can't even get through the third inning. Come on now. And then John Carlos Stanton has been extremely Extremely hot lately. Did you see he came out with the hype or uh, the mixtape about him them going to the World Series before the game? Did you see that? Yeah, and he 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 has a reason to be overconfident. I mean, he has been playing out of his mind. His play has been spectacular. In the game he had a double as well as a home run, which might have been two home runs. He barely missed a home run in the first inning off the green monster. And that was so unfortunate. And it only became a single because he was getting out of the box, did a bat flip, was admiring the ball, instead of busting it out and running until he was sure of it, which probably could have been a triple or maybe even an inside-the-park home run if he was running as hard as he could. But I get I get what he's thinking. If, if, that, was sure you, if that was you in that situation, would you have busted that out? I, whenever, if there's going to be a deep hit, I'm busted out just in case something happens. If the outfielder robs it but then drops the ball, if it hits off the wall, if something happens, no matter what, I am going to run as hard as I can because something can always happen. And I think he thought it was just a surefire home run. It looked and I like get that. It. And I get it. But he's been extremely hot. That call by Phil Nevin, very questionable, the third base coach, to send Aaron Judge home where the Yankees had all the momentum and it would have been three it was it would have been three two if Judge had scored. They would have done very well. And now moving to the NL, I think that it was an amazing game. Chris Taylor's walk off home run. There's not much to say about it. Pr- pretty much the best NL wildcard ever. I I agree with that. It was it was the red hot Cardinals versus the Dodgers with one hundred and six wins, but they're in the wild card. And I'm happy they pulled it out because they deserved it with the hundred and six wins. And now they're going to be facing the Giants. So I cannot wait to see what's gonna happen in the rest of these playoffs. But it has been two amazing wild card games and I can't wait to see what's happening. Now in the playoffs. Okay, I Garrett Cole. I agree with your take about Garrett Cole. How you said he, well, I he should have easily lived up to those expectations a lot more, especially in a game like that. He has he has not been pitching well the past few weeks and the past few starts he's had. I personally, I thought that they should not have started Garrett Cole going into that game. I get it's sort of like an obligation that you have to do just because it's Garrett Cole, but. 
he I thought he has not been playing well. He has not been on his game and as dominant as we saw him with the Astros and his first few games with the Yankees and potentially that first season he was with the Yankees last year. But he was not as dominant. The Red Sox capitalized on that. And they, they I think personally, they deserve to win this. Even if you count that that uh, scoring play, if you count Judge score that and you count that home run, it doesn't matter. It would have been 3-3 though. But but the final teams. score wouldn't have mattered. It wouldn't have mattered. Well, in the final score, they were just trying to pitch as quickly as they could to get a chance. Yeah, but the thing is, it would not have mattered because it was 6-2. So, I'm just saying that the Red Sox deserve to win this. They didn't even have J.D. Martinez in the lineup. Rafael Devers and Xander Bogarts really carried that team. Xander Bogarts had a home run. And they, they really are showing that they are their bench is deep. And they're able to get, they have a bunch of people that can come up clutch in a game like that. And I think the Red Sox, they, they play, they just played better than the Yankees. And there's no other way that the Yankees could have won, especially after they started, after they, after the All-Star break or before the All-Star break, they were playing very bad. I just didn't see a way that they would come back from that, even after acquiring Rizzo and Gallo and still coming into the playoffs. I just didn't see a way that would happen. And they did, and we have to give credit for that. Yeah. But I believe that they choked in the wild card. I, I think they... I, I would attribute it part of it to choking, but mostly it's the Red Sox and Garrett. I, I put most of this blame on Garrett Cole. He gave them... It was, it was like three... He gave up three runs, and the Red Sox, they... The Red Sox played better than the Yankees. That's just the end of the that's the end of the story. Um, and then the the um, the Cardinals versus Dodgers game, that was a that was a thriller. That it was one one heading into the bottom of the eighth, and Chris I mean heading into the bottom of the ninth, and Chris Taylor with two wa- outs. Yeah, with two outs, and Chris Taylor they're not they're in the nine hole walked it off with the Dodgers, and that was incredible to see. I don't know if you guys saw that home run. I highly recommend it. But I think the biggest disappointment for the Cardinals was Nolan Arenado. He was up four times and, and had no hits, no runs, no uh, and no RBIs. So that's extremely disappointing for a guy that you traded and uh, paid so much in the offseason to get. And he just did not show up to the caliber of a player that we know he is. We know he's po- he can he's capable of these type of moments and he's capable of winning this game for them. But he didn't show up. And it was really, mainly it was, Yadier Molina also did not play well. Yadier Molina had four, also four at-bats and a blank stat line. So you got to attribute this to the Dodgers pitching. They played very well. Max Scherzer pitched four innings, only allowed three hits and one earned run while having four strikeouts. And the, the rest of their pitching was pretty good. But other than that, you we saw that how deep the Dodgers bench is as well. I mean, they batted like they batted very a lot of people this game. So it's it's really incredible to see that the Dodgers had 106 wins, almost lost in the wild card. But I think it's really good that they did win, and that just makes the playoffs that much more entertaining to watch. Moving on to the Stephon Gilmore and Jalen Smith uh, deals, I'm going to start off with the Stephon Gilmore trade. And I am extremely surprised that the Patriots, first they were going to release him, but then before he was released, uh, Carolina agreed on a deal to for to help the Patriots actually get something back on their return. So I first what happened was Stephon Gilmore 
they could not agree on a contract, and we know that they've been going back and forth for the past couple of months about a contract. And Stephon Gilmore is just two years removed from an all-pro season, 99 overall rating in Madden, the best cornerback in the game, won Defensive Player of the Year. And then two, last year, obviously, was riddled by some injuries, and the Patriots' defense was not what it w once was with the COVID-19 opt-outs. But now he's coming off the pup list, should be back by week eight, and he is way, he, first off, this trade was his Stephon Gilmore for a sixth round pick. How is that even fair? That's, like, that, so, that's, that's such a steal for the Panthers. Exactly. Like, how are you going to, you're going to take an all pro who was just two years removed from that incredible Maybe season. Maybe the best cornerback in the game who's still in his prime at 31. Yes, he's still in his 30 prime at, in his prime at 31 years old, and all he is is injured, and he's trying to get a new deal while he's injured. And I believe that's the reason the Patriots were going to release him. But then you have someone like that, who is that caliber of player, two years removed from being the best cornerback in the game, 99 overall, and you just release him? I get Bill Belichick is a strict, no-nonsense guy, but you got to keep Stephon Gilmore. And the fact that Carolina swooped him up for a 2023, two years from now, sixth-round pick, that's incredible. Well, the Patriots also did not have leverage because they announced that they were going to release him anyway. But it does not matter. A sixth-round pick just for that, I cannot even wrap my head around how New England would accept that and how Carolina was able, was even able to make that happen. Exactly. In, in, in comparison, for the Cowboys, Omari Cooper was traded to the Cowboys for a first-round first round pick. pick. And Gilmore is probably 100 times better I than Omari I would be Cooper. happy if, if a team traded for Gilmore for a first and, like, third-round pick. But for a sixth-round pick, you get Gilmore... That might be the second biggest steal I've ever that I've ever heard about. What's and the first? That's probably the one of the, the top three steals I've if this becomes a good move. Top three steals I've ever heard about in sports history. Second has got to be that trade between the Vikings and the Cowboys. Herschel Walker, yeah, where they Herschel gave like Walker, eighteen players. They gave Herschel Walker away. The Cowboys did, and they got a bunch of Hall of Famers through draft picks and things. And the first, obviously, Babe Ruth. Like, this is a crazy trade. The magnitude of this trade, trading top five defensive player in the game for a sixth-round pick, is, I like, my, my brain is still in shock over those news. Yeah, and then the the Green Bay Packers ended up signing Jalen Smith, who was surprisingly released. Um, I know Archie were telling me off-air that it was mainly because of his, he, his scheme didn't fit and this season, he was not doing that good. He was replaced by Wolf Hunter, uh, LVE Lane Van Der Esch, and Micah Parsons. And then Keanu Neal obviously converted from strong safety to safety. I mean, to linebacker. And he's the one of the hardest hitting players in the in the NFL. So there was really no need for Jalen Smith there. He was just taking up contract. He was just taking up space. And the Cowboys freed up nine point two million dollars to use on other players. And the Packers signed Jalen Smith. Another steal. They were just they're only paying him seven hundred seventy thousand dollars for the rest of the season. Which might seem like a lot, but that's the Jalen veteran Smith, minimum. That's very little. And also, Jalen Smith, I don't understand maybe this trade had gone through and got declined, but why not Jalen Smith for Stefan Gilmore? If both of them are gonna get released, why not? I mean you gotta remember also that's uh that they would the Packers would I mean not the Packers, that the Patriots also have play a very different scheme. And Stefan Gilmore, I probably 
would fit in the Cowboys' defense, but I don't know how Jalen Smith would fit in the Patriots' defense. He is a natural-born leader. He's a very good leader, so I it, it could possibly work, but I agree. I, I think that also could have happened. But Jalen Smith, uh, going back to that money aspect of his deal, he signed for $770,000, and just for reference, in Dallas, he signed a five-year, $64 million contract extension in 2019, his Pro Bowl season, and 30, $35.5 million of that was guaranteed. He's a 2016 second-round pick. He would have been an early first-round pick if not if he didn't blow out his knee, like tear, almost tear so much stuff. And he even had nerve damage. Yeah. That was a horrible he tore so much stuff in his knee in his final game at Notre Dame. So for that player to come back and do have this kind of an impact and then just get signed for nothing, that's extremely disappointing. But I will say that the Packers got a major steal in addition to the Panthers with their new signings. So I'm so excited for this fight. Tyson Fury versus Deontay Wilder. The first time they fought was in 2018 in December, and it ended in a draw. And in 2020, they had a rematch with Fury being victorious. Now, I can't wait to see what's going to happen in the third battle between Wilder and Fury. I believe that Fury is going to win again, but Wilder is still... When this was when this was scheduled, Wilder was recovering from surgery and concerns over the COVID nineteen pandemic. That was on July July eighteenth. So now it's happening in October, and I think that that just adds to the value about how it was postponed. And I believe that Fury will be able to come out on top. I think he's going to win this fight, but it's going to be pretty tough for both sides to win as these guys are so equally matched and so great. But Fury does have a 30-pound advantage, which helps weigh into why he's probably going to win. Okay, I disagree with you. I think Deontay Wilder will end up taking home this fight. So Tyson Fury is heavily uh, favored. He's outweighing uh, Wilder by about 40 pounds. And I, but even though that's the case, and they tied the first one, the first fight they had, and then Fury won. I think Wilder has that hunger, and I think he'll be able to uh, end up coming, uh, end up with the win in this fight. And uh, it's they're both former champions, but Deontay Wilder is looking for revenge. I think Tyson Fury will be a little overconfident. It's sort of like I don't know if Arch you would agree agree with me with this comparison, but it's sort of like the Conor McGregor versus Dustin Poirier fights because they it's like a trilogy. And we've seen what happened, what's happened in the past. And one could argue that, well, I don't think it's really what happened was self-overconfidence there because Conor McGregor ended up breaking his ankle but in a gruesome injury. But I think that, I, I thought that um, that uh, Conor McGregor would end up winning that just because of revenge. So now I think Wilder has that uh, hunger. And I think that he'll be able to, I think it'll be, it'll be probably a very, very good fight, very close fight. It'll either it'll either go to the end or it'll be a KO in the first five rounds. I think, um, and I think Wilder is gonna come out swinging. He's gonna really have the offensive edge, and Tyson Fury will end up playing defense for a lot of the match or for a lot of the fight, and that'll make uh, Deontay Wilder win this fight. So, so, speaking of the weight disadvantage between Wilder and Fury, you th- Arsh, do you think that will play a major part in this fight, and d- or do you think that Wilder will end up coming out with the win? I think it will play a pretty big part in this fight because 
I believe that Fury has, once again, as I said earlier, a 30-pound advantage. And I believe that's going to play a big part. And it's like, more often than not, whoever weighs more is going to be able to land better punches, harder punches, and take less, like, they won't get as hurt from the other person. So I just believe that the weight disadvantage for Wilder is going to be hard to overcome, but he is such a good fighter. He might be able to overcome it, which is why I think it's going to be pretty close, but I believe Fury's going to come out with on top out with the victory on top. And one of those reasons is like you said the weight disadvantage. Yeah, so previously what what happened was Fury was uh or or Wilder was saying that the weight disadvantage wouldn't matter. This was not this fight. This was this was before. He was saying that the uh the weight disadvantage wouldn't matter because his punching would make up for it. And that was it was really like why uh, Fury really dominated Wilder in that fight. So I but I think that that he will back that up this time and I think that will that uh uh, Wilder will actually end up connecting on multiple punches and that will somehow knock it'll be really really hard to knock out Fury but somehow it will knock out Fury or they'll both last but the punches that Wilder had and the impact he had in the round will help him win so my first pick is going to be Hunter Rumpfro the Las Vegas Raiders wide receiver, he's projected 13.2 points, only rostered in 54% of leagues, so you should be able to get him. He's boomed twice, busted none, his average is 16 points, and he is a very, very good player. He had a the, probably one of the most memorable, memorable plays for wide receiver last week, his hit stick as a safety but he had he hasn't gone below 12 points which is a very good sign. He had 14 points, then 12.7 points, then 18.7 points, then 18.5 points. So my pick, my first pick is going to be Hunter Renfro. I believe that he is going to do very very good this week. My second pick is actually going to be Sam Donald. He's playing the Eagles. He is only rostered in 43.8% of leagues. He's boomed twice, once again busted none. And his first game, 19 points. Second game, 18. Third game, 25. And fourth game, 31. He, Which he had 20. He had 19 points in the first half. So Yeah, and his first, his last two games, he scored a rushing touchdown twice. And his first game, he scored a rushing touchdown. So he's been playing very, very well, especially for rushing. And I believe that he's going to do very well this week against the Eagles. Okay, my first pick this week is is going to be Dawson Knox, who's the tight end for the Buffalo Bills. And he, I think right now, is Josh Allen's favorite red zone target. And with Josh Allen cooking in 65% of leagues, and the past three weeks he's had a touchdown. He's had four touchdowns already. He's... His targets have steadily increased from 4, 3, then 5, then 8. He's Josh Allen's favorite red zone target and favorite downfield target besides Stefan Diggs. And he is booming. He's going he's going crazy. And now he's facing the third or the fourth worst defense against tight ends. That's a recipe for success on Sunday night football. So definitely look to add Dawson Knox. He, I think, will be a major breakout uh, this week. And then my second pick is actually going to be someone from the same exact team, Zach Moss, who is playing, also playing the Kansas City Chiefs. Zach Moss is projected 11.5 points. I get he's rostered in 77.1% of leagues, 
but he is playing a very, very bad Kansas City defense that's against rushing, and he has a potential to be a top 15 back this week, especially with the kind of production he's been getting. 13 carries, then 14 carries. Devin Singletary has faded out. He's a factor in the uh, passing game as well, Zach Moss is. So his you cannot den- deny this production. And I don't think he's getting that much production, though. Only 13 and 14 carries. So do you but think that's that he'll like be able to have? Touches. Do you think he'll be able to have a productive fantasy day with only 13 or 14 carries? That's not. Alone. Yes, I do think he will, and I think his yards per carry will skyrocket after this game because he's going to carve up this defense, and Josh Allen's going to go insane, and that's going to keep them, uh, the Kansas City defense, not they're they're guarding the pass, which they're already bad at. And then the run game's going to open up, and so many lanes are going to be there for Zach Moss, who I think will probably get around 20 points this week. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing, leaving a like or review, and following us on social media at 2 underscore bros and sports for daily sports updates. Enjoy the rest of your guys' day, and we'll catch you guys next week on the Two Brothers and Their Sports Podcast. Thank you.